You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another fascinating episode of Ask Drone You. Today we're going to be talking about ground sampling distance just one more time when mm. it comes to a drone mapping. Uh, we actually just got in our new MLID Reach RS2 RTK GPS uh, unit, and we are really excited. And our question asker today uh, actually is someone whom I've learned a good deal from, even though he came to uh, our mapping class in Seattle. He is a surveyor, and he utilized an iGauge RTK unit. And ever since then, I've really, you know, the, the, the original reach was just a single band unit. And I can already tell from just setting up this unit this morning that it's so much easier to use. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to learn about how accurate it will truly be because this Reach RS2 unit costs about the same as a Phantom 4 Pro version 2. I know, $28,000 for a Leica unit or, or a Trimble unit or 2500 for an MLID unit. So we're really excited because this particular GPS hmm. unit could make drone mapping so much more feasible for so many more students. But anyway, I, I, I just had the longest intro I think I've ever done. My name is Paul. <laughs> You're very excited about that. Just came in. My name's Rob, and I'm very excited. We're very excited to be here with you again today. We love spending time with you. We love that you spend time with us and appreciate it for the 1,057th time that you're uh, taking some time out of your day to be here. So what I like about today's question is it's one of those situations in which well, you went into some pretty good depth on GCPs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then someone said, yeah, that's not deep enough. <laughs> Let's go a little deeper. And, and so that's what Gary has done with this question today is said, can you go a little bit deeper into what you were talking about, how to actually set it up, et cetera. So I'm excited to hear you uh, get into that. But today's episode is brought by... Black Friday, baby. Woo. Yeah. Today is Black Friday, which means... It is time for you to check out all the awesome sales that we have going on on DroneU. If you go to our Facebook page, you go to our Instagram page, you go to our LinkedIn page, or if you get the uh, email, the subscriber email, seriously, don't miss out on these deals. They're only good for 24 hours. Here's the deal. 40% off of annual membership. That's right. You can get a year of all of our classes for 40% off. You can get 15% off, I believe it is, for any in-person training. So if you're finally ready to take a flight mastery class, that class that really tests your ability to fly in close proximity, helps you understand how to mitigate emergencies and how to handle just about any drone job. Well, if you're ready to gain an astronomical amount of confidence, and I don't mean too much confidence because we don't inject the hazardous attitude of machoism, as the FAA would call it, but just enough confidence for you to know your limitations. You're not going to want to miss the opportunity to attend a flight mastery class. Don't forget, it's the only class that is actually an investment. It pays itself off over time. Well, how does it do that? If you pass the check ride, that means you fly through the obstacle course and you pass the verbal exam. Guess what? You're going to earn educational rates because now you're a safe pilot. So join us and don't miss out on these Black Friday deals. Hi, Paul. Gary Proctor with Drone Imagery Northwest, Gig Harbor, Washington. 
calling about the S drone U broadcast you had a few days ago about ground control points. In that broadcast, you talked a little bit about having to fly high, particularly in this area, and needing to have a better sensor, uh, bigger cameras, if you will, in order to pick up and keep that same GSD that you might get by flying lower while flying higher. Can you talk a little more about that? What kind of components you should look at for that or what we should be keeping in mind when trying to put together a system or buying a system that will let us map from higher up? Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate the question. AskDroneU.com if you have a question like Gary did. Like Gary did, if you're listening to an old podcast or even a recent podcast, and something is said that makes you go, huh? Or, man, I'd like to learn more about that particular thing or subject, etc. go to AstroNew.com. Tell us about it, and we'll uh, hop on that for you to the best of our ability. So, yeah, Gary is saying, um, all right, that sounds really cool. How do I do that? So, okay, let's let's recap this really fast because in this last episode, uh, or not in this last episode, but in the last episode that we were talking about GCPs, we had mentioned GCPs are two points. Um, typically, ground control point is what GCP stands for. Those two points are a target and a GPS unit to measure the center point of that target. While we were talking about GCPs, we were talking about the three factors of ground sampling distance, which is the ultimate measurement of the quality of your map. Ground sampling distance is ultimately a factor of three variables. You got focal length, sensor size, sensor size of the camera, excuse me, and altitude that the camera is flown. Now, we mentioned in that show that if you live in an area like Seattle, where Gary Proctor does live, you're limited in the ground sampling distance that you can offer because typically the tree heights are so high that if you have any vegetation in any of the areas that you're trying to map, it makes it astronomically more difficult to map said area. Now, there are a couple of caveats to that. If you were to say map a school and you had a large area of trees uh, in the middle of that school, you could do a lower flight line and a higher flight line and then combine those two maps together with four or five manual tie points. You could even use your GCPs as the same areas to merge those maps. But Gary asked a question. He said, so if I live in an area like Seattle, how can I get the same super high quality maps that you can get when you live in the desert or areas with low lying vegetation like Texas, right? Texas is a great example. A lot, there is vegetation, but it's very low lying vegetation. So um, how can you do that? Well, if anyone had attended the PIX4D user conference, I gave a 25 minute long talk on mapping with large sensors, mapping complex areas, and mapping with various applications. Utilizing the same data set through 15 different trials, I came up with a formula that I have actually been teaching people for quite a long time. So that being said, let's talk about Gary's solutions. So let's say that this little blue post-it notepad, which is about, uh, let's just say two inches by two inches, is our Phantom 4 Pro sensor. And then let's say that this yellow uh, sticky notepad, which is about four inches by four inches, is our larger sensor, let's say like the Sony A7R Mark III or Mark II. Okay, full frame sensor versus, let's say, one inch sensor. Okay, now the larger the sensor, 
right? The smaller the ground sampling distance if flown at the same altitude as the smaller sensor. So let's say I fly at 100 feet, right? My ground sampling distance with the P4 Pro would be about, uh, uh, I believe it's uh, six tenths of a centimeter if I remember my GSD calculations. Now, if I were utilizing a larger sensor, it would probably be Mm, it would be very, very small. Let's just say sub-centimeter, right? Now, if it was sub-centimeter, then this larger sensor, if flown at the same altitude, would provide a better quality data set while flying at the same altitude as the other drone. But there are some big caveats to that, and I've got to be quick because it looks like our camera is running out of space. Very quickly, is an X7 camera a viable solution for you as a larger sensor? Very good question. Typically, you have to fly that sensor on uh, Ground Station Pro through an iPad. When I did this, I found that something going on with Ground Station Pro caused my uh, data sets to have multiple blocks. This is not a good thing. When we have multiple blocks, typically the merges don't go well. There's a lot of point cloud cleanup. You can get double fields if you have a grassy field, for example. And my, you know, my concern is, is that with those multiple blocks, you're not getting as accurate of a map. And I found with Ground Station Pro and Pix4D Capture that the X7 is really not a viable option. Now, that being said, one of our good friends, Bill, is an avid uh, Litchi pilot. Um, I do understand now that you can utilize Litchi with the X7, although I have not tried it. I will say the X7 does provide a level of dynamic range that I really like in mapping because I can see more areas in the shadows that I typically could not see with a Phantom. Now, that being said, there is another sensor like the A7R Mark III. Now, you can fly that camera from, let's say, an M600, right? An M600 with a Ronin MX and that camera with the SRW60G, which is a very particular part that you need in the United States to be able to see the camera feed from the M600 and the camera itself. Now, typically, you need another system to manually shutter the camera. You could manually shutter the camera with an IR trigger, meaning uh, an IR trigger just sends a blast of light in front of the IR sensor, which uh, gets the camera to trigger the shutter and boom, you got your picture. Um, but you can use what's called an Air Commander unit. I believe there's the Air Commander 2 now, which allows you to automatically shutter the camera so that your drone missions go as smoothly with the M600 as they would with the Phantom. Now, I will caveat and say that no mission will be as easy as it is with a Phantom period. It's just, it's, there's an ecosystem, there's many apps that work. When one thing doesn't work, there's an alternative and Phantoms really work well. With the uh, X7, you can fly it under the Inspire 2. I believe you can now fly it under the Matrice 210. Um, and again, great camera, but it causes a lot of processing issues that I have seen. Uh, if you use it with uh, Litchi, it should work a little bit better, although I haven't tried it myself. Now, he asked a question, how do we utilize a bigger sensor to get better GSD? Well, typically in order to fly uh, his projects, you're flying at 180 or 200 feet. So it, let's say that I were to fly uh, the A7R Mark II at that altitude. Well, if as long as I had the Ronin MX, the Air Commander II, 
SRW60G, I could still shutter that camera manually utilizing either Ground Station Pro. Um, I'm not sure if Litchi would work, but there's another application that would work. Oh, Pix40 Capture does work with the M600 as well. So you have a couple different options to shutter that camera. Now that larger sensor has more dots. So more dots means more data, but not only do we get more dots, 42 megapixels compared to 20 on the on the Phantom 4 Pro, but each dot is actually larger as well. So we get more light and more data per dot. So the more data that we get per dot, the better off that the map is. And when we have more dots, well, you know what that means. More dots equals more key points. And if you've attended my mapping class, you know that a key point is a unique pixel within any image. And when the software sees multiple key points from one one image to another image, it creates a tie point because whenever I have three key points, I can now get a better ideological perspective of that position in space. This is why we have a high overlap or a high redundancy of imagery because the more key points that we get, the more tie points that we get, the more tie points that we get per image, the better off our data set is overall. So that being said, if Gary Proctor lives in Seattle, which he does, and let's say he were to fly the M600 at 200 feet rather than a Phantom 4 Pro at 200 feet, not only would he be getting much better data, but he would have a much smaller ground sampling distance, and thus his maps would be better off as a whole. Wow. I tried to do that as succinctly as possible because literally the camera is about to run out. So I see that, yeah. I'm um, sure half the people are like, I wish the camera would run out more often. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. But that said, I think Gary will appreciate that succinct answer to his question. And I hope that uh, everybody else does as well. Very, and very clearly if, stated. Thank you. And if you would like an hour or two long discussion of ground sampling distance, ground control points, marking ground control points, because there are levels of nuances I haven't even mentioned yet. Like, did you know that how you mark your ground control points in any particular software has a direct effect on ellipsoid error and overall georeferencing error? Not only about how much you zoom in, but the images that you pick of that GCP. Did you pick them in a circular format around that GCP, or did you simply just pick images from just one side of that GCP. Uh-oh. Because if you don't know the answer to that question, then I promise you, you probably don't have a good idea of how accurate your map truly is. And now it's blinking quickly at us. We better go. On that bombshell, if you have a question, go to askdroneu.com and upload it. Otherwise, join us for a mapping class because if you've got a client who's got a mapping job, don't take it last second in an effort to try to figure out how to create a great client. You need to learn how to drone map first. Drone mapping is one of the hardest, most systematic processes in drone workflow. That doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that the only people who are going to succeed are systematic, build habits, routines, and have checklists because they understand the human mind is fallible. Mm-hmm. All right, my name, there. my name is Paul. My name's Rob. This is Ask Dronio. <laughs> we believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. 
We are the Drone Youth.